Welcome to our church service this morning. It's good to have each one of you a part of our service, and I wish that we could uh, see each other. I know you get to see me, but uh, I get to sit here and watch a phone as I uh, preach. It's kind of hard to do that, but I'm glad to have the technology available that we can communicate uh, even to this level. Thank the Lord for that. I'd like to invite each one of you this morning as we begin this message to turn with me to John chapter 13. Last week in our Sunday morning message, we saw that Jesus had said that the Old Testament scriptures were all about him, and it gave the truth and revealed the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. In the book of Hebrews, we've been studying on Sunday nights, uh, uh, before the virus hit, and we found that there are many things in the Old Testament that uh, point to the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament as that Lamb of God, even from the the deliverance out of uh, Egypt, uh, even the law being given, the uh, tabernacle. Uh, today we have a greater tabernacle, and Hebrews is all about Jesus Christ being a, a better sacrifice uh, that's given his blood into a better tabernacle in heaven on the day of atonement there to uh, present uh, for us the forgiveness of our sins. And we appreciate so much the truths that we see. But even in the New Testament, we have all of it is given uh, for the details of the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. And we praise the Lord for that too. All of it points to the fact of Jesus Christ being the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the, of the world. Dr. M. R. DeHaan made this statement. He says, The Bible is a book of blood, holy or completely distinct from all other books for just one reason, namely that it contains blood circulating through every page and in every verse. From Genesis to Revelation, we see the stream of blood. It's the theme of the Bible. Jesus Christ was crucified, the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. God has since then given us the Old Testament and New Testament scriptures to reveal to us who he is, what he has done, and what that means for us. And we can appreciate that. Hebrews 9.22 made the statement that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There is no forgiveness of my sin or your sins apart from the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was all about that. But because Jesus, his death there and resurrection, we can have forgiveness of our sins and we can have a relationship with God. Corrie ten Boom is a woman that uh, her and her family were used of God to hide Jews during the Holocaust and she made a statement, um, either in one of her writings, I'm assuming, that says, When I bring my sins to the Lord Jesus, he cast them into the depths of the sea, forgiven and forgotten. He also puts up a sign, she said, no fishing allowed. I like that. <laughs> Don't fish down and, get, and try to dredge up the sins that God has already forgiven us. He has stated that he has forgiven us and that he will remember our sins no more. He will, he will choose never to think upon them again. We have God's promise. Once our sins are forgiven, they are G-O-N-E gone completely. 
And we praise God for that. Forgiveness is the theme of Easter. Another theme of Easter is second chances. When I think about second chances, I think of a young man named John Mark. Now the message today is not going to be about him. But by way of introduction, I want you to remember and recall in his life how that he got saved as a young man. And uh, when Paul was going on his first missionary journey with Barnabas, they took John Mark along to help. Well, something happened and John Mark decided not to continue with them. And evidently it was not a very good reason for the second missionary journey that Paul was going to take with Barnabas. Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark along then and Paul would not have anything to do with it. He said, no, he didn't continue with us last time. I'm not going to take him this time. But later on in Paul's life, Paul made the statement. He says, bring John Mark to me. For he is profitable unto me for the ministry. Something had changed and John Mark had been given a second chance. What a glorious uh, story that is of this young man and what it represents. But there's another man with a second chance that is also given in scripture. And that is the man Peter. One of God's disciples. One of his very faithful disciples as we'll see Peter's second chance is also tied to Easter. Uh, Easter is just around the corner, just two weeks away. And I know with all that is going on, uh, it is a very sad time for us as believers before, because all of this has disrupted uh, from us being able to meet together and have our services together. Uh, the way it looks right now, according to what the governor has said, we're not going to be able to, to meet together even for Easter. Uh, we've got something in mind that we'd like to tell you about at the end of the service today uh, that may help a little bit. But, um, but for right now, understand, we praise the Lord that he has allowed us to have the technology available to be able to give a video such as this to communicate to each other here for our service. Praise the Lord for that. I was listening to a, a podcast earlier today that was talking about how to have these type of videos. And one of the things that they were jokingly talking about is back at the turn of the, the 20th century, there was another great uh, plague that hit that shut down everything. And uh, he said back in those days, they had a little bit of trouble with streaming their services for the internet was very slow. Now, I hope you got that. <laughs> Even I would get something of that nature. But um, we praise the Lord that we have this available and that it's working for us now. And I pray that as we continue with it, that you would take advantage of this, that you would share the information with others and try to get them and encourage them to watch as well. But we want to continue here with our ministry today and this message today that I've entitled Easter is for Second Chances. Uh, I want to deal with two points. Number one, two men with two outcomes. And number two, two men of second chances. Father, I pray that as we look into your word this morning that you would allow us to understand its truth and how it applies to us. Open our eyes to see this subject and we thank you, Lord, for the love that you have for us and for the provision that you've given uh, to us. And we ask your blessing as we turn to your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Two men with two outcomes. As Jesus began his earthly ministry, he chose 12 men, 12 disciples, to be followers of him, to be learners of him, that he could teach and that he could send out for ministry. They all experienced the same interaction with the Lord Jesus Christ, but two of the men stand out. One was Peter, that we would guess, but another one we might not guess, and that was Judas. Now I want to say that because I want to see a comparison between these two men and their two outcomes. Judas was chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ to be one of the twelve, just like Peter was. He traveled with Jesus. He was taught by Jesus. He witnessed all of the miracles that Jesus had performed. Yet, according to John chapter 13 that I ask you to turn to, Judas was not saved. Well, read here in John uh, 13... And here in John 13 is what takes place of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And you remember how that when he came to Peter, Peter says, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said to him there in verse uh, 8, he says, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me, no participation with me. And we remember his response in verse 9. Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Wash me all over. Um, was his reply. And I've taught you this before, just by way of uh, remembering, I want you to understand that in Jesus' response to him, there are two words that he uses in the Greek for washed. He says, Jesus said to him, he that is washed all over, it's talking about, needeth not save or except to wash, and this wash is a particular part of the body, to wash his feet, but is clean everywhere, everywhere, and ye are clean. Now stop right there first and understand what Jesus was saying. Here are the twelve disciples. He's washing their feet, and Jesus said, "I want you know." I mean, Peter said, I, "I'm not going to wash my feet," and Jesus said, uh, "You'll not have any participation." And he said, "Well, wash me all over." And Jesus says, "Everyone that is washed all over." And that represents the vernacular, if we could say, we're saved, we've been cleansed completely from our sin, need not to wash but a particular part of the body. Our feet, our hands is what we tend to think of that we get dirty uh, as uh, we're walking around in this world. In their day and time, it was sandals, and they did not have sidewalks. They did not have, uh, um, well, anyway, the roads were dirty. And so their feet would get dirty, consequently. But they didn't need to take a bath all over at a a particular point, but they just needed to have their feet washed. So Jesus was doing that uh, in this particular uh, setting. And he says, you're all clean all over. But notice the next words there. But not all. Not all of the twelve that's true of. And he identifies, verse 11, he says, For he, for Jesus knew who should betray him, Judas. Therefore saith he, ye are not all clean. In other words, Judas was not saved. Judas had been with Jesus. He had seen his his miracles. He had been taught by Jesus. All of this experience together, but he still was not saved. He was not a man of faith. 
as we would call it. So we have uh, this particular comparison between them. At the Last Supper, you remember, and if you want to turn with me over to Matthew 27, at the Last Supper, Jesus was with his disciples when he, when he told them about there would be one that would betray him. And you remember how the disciples begin to ask one another, you know, ask Jesus, is it I? Is it I? Judas asked, is it I? And Jesus said, thou hast said. And Judas begins to leave. And the one scripture says, and Satan entered into him. And Jesus said unto him, what thou doest, do quickly. Jesus knew what he was about to do. And Judas left and he conspired with the chief priests to lead them to Jesus to arrest him. And he wanted money, 30 pieces of silver. There's a message in that as well that we could have preached another time. But once Jesus was arrested that night, early in the next morning there, he was taken and he was questioned by Caiaphas, the high priest, and, and, and Pilate, back and forth that he went. And it says there in Matthew 27, verses 3 and uh, through 5, then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he, when he saw Jesus was condemned, repented himself. Now the words there, repented himself, doesn't mean that he got saved. There's no indication of that. Matter of fact, there is indication that he was not saved all the way to the end. Because in Jesus' intercessory prayer, he said that he had not lost any of those that God had given him except one. And he was referring to Judas. And so there is indication that Judas never got saved. But he was sorry. He was remorseful for what he had done. He repented himself and he brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and, and elders. And he said unto them, I have sinned. Notice what he says. I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. What a statement about who Jesus was and what that represented as we know it. They said unto him, What is that to us? See thou to that, that's your problem. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and he departed, and he went out and hanged himself. What a state. What an outcome. What an end of his life. And the judgment that would have followed in hell. That's Judas. But now let's look in comparison to Peter. Peter also was chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ to be one of the twelve. Peter had been a fisherman. Jesus said, I'll make you a fisherman of men. <clears throat> and he traveled with Jesus just like Judas. And he was taught by Jesus. He witnessed all of the miracles that Jesus did. But there is a difference because there was faith. There are two great statements of faith that, that Peter gave. The first one is in Matthew 16 and verse 16, <clears throat> where Jesus asked the question, says, who do men say that I am? And lastly, Peter spoke up and he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And that was a tremendous statement. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God, God, the son, deity. What a statement of faith. The other one was in John chapter 6, verses 68 and 69. There Jesus had just finished his bread of life uh, sermon. And many people that had been following him turned and would not follow Jesus anymore. And Jesus turned to his twelve 
And he said unto them, his, uh, at this point, he said unto them, Are you going to leave me also? But Peter spoke up and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Same statement of faith. What a difference between him and Judas, what is testified of Judas. At times, Peter could be a great man of great boldness. But other times, he could be a self-confident, brash statement of a man. He was like that at the Last Supper. If you remember at the Last Supper, um, Jesus made the statement to his disciples, and he said there, all of you are going to be offended because of me this night. And of course, they begin to question, what does that mean, and, and how is that going to be true? Surely not. Well, Peter spoke up and said, though all men, though the rest of these eleven should be offended, I shall never be offended. And Peter went on to say, Lord, I am ready to go both to prison and to death with you. What a confident, self-confident, brash statement that Peter made. Now, we know what happened Jesus turned around and informed Peter that before the night was finished, before the rooster would crow the next morning, that he was going to deny even knowing the Lord Jesus three times. Three times he would deny even having knowledge of who he was. And so it happened. Three times after his arrest, Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the rooster crowed and Jesus, the scripture says, turned and he saw Peter and Peter saw Jesus looking at him. Peter knew that Jesus knew what he had done and it broke Peter's heart. And it says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now, when Jesus turned and looked at Peter, what do you think that look indicated? I told you so. No, I don't think so. Was his look an indication of how could you? No, I don't think it was that either. I think it was a look that communicated, Peter, I still love you. I still love you. I'm so thankful for that because like Peter... I have failed the Lord many times, just like each one of us have. And I'm so glad that the Lord still loves me as his child. He loved me enough to die for me. He loved everyone enough to die. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that Jesus gave his life while we were yet sinners. He died for us. What a demonstration of love. But he still loves us even when we fail. Praise God. One man betrayed the Lord. One man denied the Lord. Both men failed the Lord. But two great differences.
One man was saved, Peter. One man was lost, Judas. My point is this. We all fail God from time to time. But there is forgiveness that is available to those of us who are genuinely saved. Don't be like Judas and just be a part of the church. Don't just be a follower of Jesus and not truly be saved. But make sure that your salvation is genuine. And then, even when we fail, there is forgiveness to be had. Two men, two outcomes. Next, look at two men of second chances. The first, obviously, would be Peter. His second chance uh, was hinted to by the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 22. If you'll turn there, please, we'll see this as the Lord Jesus uh, speaks. And here again, it's on that last night before he was arrested at the Last Supper. And this evening when he was, was telling them about uh, being offended and, and just before he tells Peter that he's going to deny him, he says there in Luke 22, beginning in verse 31, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as sweet. In other words, Satan wants to be like that roaring lion and wants to devour you. He wants to defeat you. He wants to cause you to fail, to stumble, to fall. He wants to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thou faith, your faith would fail not, that you would not fall. And when, he says, thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. There's a couple of things to understand there. One, when he says when you're converted, it's not talking about being converted like being saved. Peter was already washed completely. He was already saved. But he's talking here about failing the Lord and in what he was about to do in his denials. And he tells Peter that Satan is after you to cause you to fall. But I prayed for you. I want to stop and say I praise the Lord that one of the the things that the Lord Jesus Christ does for us in heaven today is to make intercession for us believers. He prays for us. But just like when Peter's the case, just having the Lord pray for us is not the whole answer. Peter still failed. He still uh, failed in his uh, sin. And we often do as well, even though the Lord Jesus makes intercession for us. Praise God that he does. But he says, when you're converted, that means when you're turned around, when you have repented and are forgiven, strengthen thy brethren. Minister to the other believers. And that is something important for us to understand. The best picture of Peter's forgiveness and his restoration is found over in John chapter 21. If you'll turn there, please. In John 21, it takes place after the resurrection. And this is significant because you remember there was Peter's denials. There was Jesus' crucifixion, his burial, and then the third day, the resurrection. Um, that night after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to all of the, the twelve. Actually, it was the eleven. Actually, it was the ten. <laughs> Judas was dead and Thomas was not there. He appeared to the ten uh, with Thomas not there. Then the next Sunday, 
he appeared to the eleven there with Thomas present. And now in chapter 21, that was in chapter 20 at the end. And in chapter 21, we have the third time that Jesus appeared to the eleven disciples that were left. And uh, they had gone fishing, at least a good part of them, uh, probably all of them. And it says there in chapter 21 that Peter said, I'm going fishing. And uh, others went with him. Could I say sometimes we can, in our decisions, influence others to make similar decisions. And if our decisions are wrong, we're leading in the wrong direction. I believe that may have been the case with Peter at this point, And we'll see in a moment. But he went out fishing. And they fished all night, did not catch anything. Meantime, Jesus, as morning is coming, is on the shore of Galilee. And they're out, still in sight. And he calls out and says, Children, have you caught anything? And they said, Not a thing all night. He says, Cast your nets on the other side. And they did. And there was a tremendous amount of fish that was gathered into the nets. And John turned to Peter and said, It's the Lord. And Peter girded himself, jumped off. He didn't even wait for the boat to get back. He started swimming to shore to see Jesus. They got back. And uh, to make the story short, Jesus said, Come and dine. They sat down and they began to eat the fish and and the bread together. And it's during this time that Jesus turns to Peter with this very familiar conversation. We pick up reading in verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? As I said, this is a very familiar passage, I hope. And you should know that there are different words for love that Jesus used and Peter uses. One is agape, God's kind of love. The other one is phileo, it's brotherly love. And then there's different words uh, for feed. Uh, Feed my lambs, feed my sheep, different uh, forms there as well. But I want you to see something in particular. Jesus asked the question first, do you love me more than these? Now, what are the these? Well, there's only a couple of options, possibly. One, it could be the fish. Peter had gone back to fishing. Do you love me more than these fish? Remember I called you to be a fisher of men? Possibly that could be. But you remember Peter's brash statement, though all of these men will be offended, I'll never be offended. Peter, do you really love me more than these men? Wow. Peter said back to him, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. The word love there is phileo. Jesus asked, do you agape me, Peter? God's kind of love. Peter said, Lord, you know I phileo you. I'm fond of you as a brother. Feed my lambs. Instruct my young Christians. Verse 16. He said unto him again the second time. Simon, son of Jonas. uh, Agape thou me. Lovest thou me? uh, Excuse me. He saith unto him. Peter said unto him. Yea, Lord. Thou knowest that I phileo you. He said unto him. Feed my sheep. My older Christians. Attend to their needs. He said unto him in verse 17, The third time. 
Simon, son of Jonas, phileo thou me. Jesus switched from agape to phileo like what Peter had been saying. Do you really phileo me? Now Peter was grieved, it says, because he said unto him the third time, phileo thou me. Now it could be two things and probably a combination of both. It was the third time that he asked him. And how many times did Peter deny the Lord? Three times. But he changed the word to phileo. Do you even phileo, really phileo me? Are you fond of me? And Peter said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. You know that I love you. You know that I phileo you. The word know there is, you know from experience that I love you like a brother. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. And tend, protect, instruct the older Christians. Now here is the whole point of the forgiveness that Jesus had extended. Jesus said in predicting that Satan was after him, that he would deny him. He says, when you're converted, when you repent and are forgiven, strengthen your brethren. And so now he says unto him, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. I believe the statement there represents or indicates two things. One, it indicates that Peter was sorrowful in such a way that the Lord had forgiven him. Otherwise, if the Lord had not forgiven him, he would not instruct him to start back in ministry. When we fail the Lord in sin, if we will repent of our sin and confess it, 1 John 1, 9, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can be made right with him again to serve, to continue to minister. The second thing it indicates is Jesus, after restoration, gave him this second chance. When you're converted, strengthen the brethren. Another opportunity to serve the Lord. The first man with a second chance was Peter that we see today. The second man with a second chance, not talking about John Mark that we mentioned earlier, but I'm talking about another man. He sits before you today. His name is Randy. It's me. It's you. Andrew. Buddy. Calvin. David. Ed. You see how I'm going through the alphabet of A through... And it continues through all of the men in our church, all of the women in our church, all of the young people in our church that genuinely know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. We are that second person. We are the second person that has been given the second chance in ministering to the Lord, to be forgiven of Him. We all fail the Lord from time to time, whatever we call it whether we failed, whether we messed up, or whether we sinned, all of it's the same thing. 
But just like Peter, if we're truly sorry, if we repent of our sin and we confess 1 John 1, 9 as it instructs, then we can be forgiven just like Peter was. And if we are forgiven, then we can be reinstated for service. Then Jesus, after forgiveness, then says two things to us. Number one, I believe he says to us, just like he did to the woman that was caught in adultery, go and sin no more. We ought to be leaving out of our confession of the Lord Jesus Christ and receiving his forgiveness with the intention not to go back to that sin again. Go and sin no more. Secondly, the second thing that he says there is go and serve me now. Go and serve me now. Help others to learn the same forgiveness that you have been granted. That they can know my love, Jesus says. And they too can serve me with their lives. Second man with a second chance is us. Praise God that he's a God of second chances. Two men with two outcomes... Judas, a sinner, failed Christ. He was lost. And therefore God extended to him judgment of hell. Peter, a sinner, failed Christ, but he was saved. God extended unto him forgiveness. Which man this morning do you relate with? None of us are perfect. But are we genuinely saved like Peter? Or are we always around the church, always around other Christians, but still lost like Judas? We have a choice to who we would relate to. Understand that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That the wages of our sin is death. But even when we were yet sinners, Christ loved us and died for us. He did it out of his great love for each one of us. Praise God that he loved us enough to die for us. Praise God that he loves us enough to forgive us. When we turn to him, he will forgive. I'm going to ask right now if you would just bow your heads where you are in your home with your phone, in your car, wherever you may be watching this video right now. If you can bow your head and close your eyes with us, and I want you to concentrate just about you. Right now, if you are that person that would say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I can't remember a time that I didn't believe in God, and I've always been in church, but I I'm not sure if I've ever made a choice to receive Christ as my Savior. Would you admit to God right now that you're a sinner? That you understand that? Would you thank Jesus for dying on the cross to pay for your sin's penalty? And would you right now make a choice to receive what Jesus Christ did as your payment of sin? If you will do that, Right now, by that choice, God will save you from the penalty of your sin and will extend unto you eternal life. He will make you a child of His.
and he will begin to give you a life that will be different. That he could live, the Lord Jesus could live through you in this world where we are. Receive God's forgiveness and be given a new life. One day, an opportunity to live with God and the Lord in heaven. For Christians, Easter is a, a time of second chances. As a believer, could I ask you right now with your head bowed and eyes closed, do you need a second chance today? As a genuine believer, has God brought some sin to your mind, a spiritual failure that you know of, that you have not dealt with? Will you repent, turn from that right now, confess it unto the Lord, receive His forgiveness, and then get up and strengthen the brethren to minister for the Lord today? Father, I pray that as we close this service here, that you would hear our prayers, that you would know our responses, and that we have genuinely searched our own hearts and responded in such a way that you would be greatly pleased. May we experience your forgiveness. and Lord, the grace and the mercy that you're always faithful to extend. We thank you for all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share something with you by way of announcement as we close the service. I want to thank you, first of all, for joining us and being a part of our, of our cast that, uh, that is uh, going out each week and each, uh, for each one of our services. Uh, because of the restrictions that have uh, not been lifted, Matter of fact, the, the governor has just issued this week uh, a further extension of these uh, restrictions all the way to April 23rd is my understanding. But for right now, what we're saying is we're not going to have any other services through the Wednesday um, um, for before Easter, which is just a couple more Wednesdays here. And at that point, there's something I want us to do or try to do is I'd like to have for Easter Sunday morning a service on the premises here. I doubt very seriously that we would anything will change that we'll be able to go inside. But we would like to have a drive-up, uh, drive-in, if you will, type of a service where you stay in your cars, in the parking lots with the windows down. We'll have a PA system outside that we can minister make and be able to put some special music together. It won't be anything to the magnitude of our normal Easter Sunday morning service. But we would begin that at 10.30 that morning, and we would have a brief service where you could be there and see one another and experience that live together as we worship the Lord. That's what I'd like to see happen. So pray to that end and pray for good weather if it's pouring down rain, obviously we wouldn't be able to sit there with our windows down and, and be out there ministering with a PA system in that kind of weather. But um, we will make a, a decision of that and uh, announce that to you by email prior to it. Make sure that you keep up with your emails right now coming from the church as that's the main way that we have to communicate with you. Also, please join us for our midweek prayer service that will be available anytime Wednesday after 5 o'clock. We'll have that available for you. 
and uh, we'll send out another email about that service as well. Don't forget uh, to remain faithful in your giving financially here to the Lord through the church. We want um, to help you the best that we can. Uh, either mail that in or drop it off here at the church as you can contact us to make sure one of us is here to receive it. Um, and then may God bless you and keep you well. And we'll see you in our next service. God bless you. Amen.